The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. But instead of it being yet another episode, this is actually a brand new season that we are, are tackling. And that's a, a new concept for us, but we're going to be um, trialing that out. How do you guys feel about going to like from just a weekly idea to a seasonal thing? I mean, Unsure nothing changes yet. for us. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we hope it's good for the listeners. Yeah, this is true. I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that there's... Uh, I feel like there's more space in, in, in my head to think about what we're actually doing rather than just trying to get content out every week. So uh, that from that perspective, it's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's to the two of you, you know, benefit to the two of you because you're the ones that carry that sort of side of the, the ministry, whereas we just mm. show up. So <laughs> <laughs> You make it sound like you do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> So, how have you guys been anyway? It's been a while since we've actually sat down to record, so... Yeah, good. New year. Yeah. This is our first recording of 2022 yeah. from, our, from our timeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so weird. Six yeah. months later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, it's been good. It's the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Enjoying not being studying, so... Yeah. It's, um, yeah, having a bit more time on my hands um, has been really nice. And mm-hmm. March, not looking forward to March. And yeah. it all starts back up again, but that's all right. That's all right. We're not looking forward to it either. Because <laughs> like, then, then it's like Dave disappears. Right, eh? Nah, it's good. Yeah. How are you, Steve-O? Yeah, not too bad. Just working. Yeah. yeah nothing too out of the ordinary. Yeah, life. <laughs> you, had a, you had a couple of weeks off, though. Yeah, two weeks over Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yes. Yeah. That's no, been good for me. I've just been really busy over the like the beginning of this year, just because I've had some really large projects for work, which are actually associated with church, which is it's a nice change. So that's been pretty cool to be mm. tackling that. And yeah, now I'm just sort of getting back into the rhythms of life, and glad to be recording again. Just sort of getting back to all yeah. the things that I enjoy. So should have seen him the other week. Shadow of himself (laughs) He's not functioning on all cylinders Yeah, we even actually got together to record And we just decided this is not a good idea This is not going to work tonight Yeah, Yeah, glad we made that call Uh, Well, for me, I I got a couple of cooking classes um, for for Christmas So Mm -hmm. I've been um, learning how to pickle and preserve And Mm. um, later in the year, I'll be doing a course on desserts Mm. Yeah, and I've actually been, uh, uh, you know, benefited by your your pickles. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> benefited by your pickles. Yeah, yeah I never would have expected to say that on a show. No. <laughs> benefited by your pickles. <laughs> anyway, yeah, cool. That's good, Ben. Learning new things is always fun, hey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Pickles. All right. Well, to, to get to the to get to the topic at hand, let's let's go there. Um, to get to the topic at hand, we we've decided that we're going to be doing this season on the Book of Philippians because uh, it, we've been wanting to go deeper into actual Bible study because we sort of go with different trends, you know, where we, we take different topics and go on different tangents, and uh, we sort of feel like it, it's time for us to get back to our roots, back to where we started and doing doing studies, and so uh, yeah, we decided that Philippians was the first place we wanted to come back and, and tackle. So uh, I think probably we're going to just be starting in chapter one, basically. We're going to be going in there and seeing what we can find. And um, yeah, it's been a great experience. I don't know. Have you guys enjoyed actually having something to look towards and study in, in preparation rather than sort of... Yeah. 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 yeah I've, I've been really enjoying it. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. It's been um, interesting too for me. Um, so because we're doing the book of Hebrews for Sabbath school at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting seeing some crossover between the okay. two, the yeah. two writings. I found that really, really fascinating. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And before we actually start reading the, the text itself, I'm curious, like, what was your source material, or, or or was it just scripture, or did you like? Obviously, there's other books on the table, so I'm assuming everyone read something that wasn't just the Bible potentially. What what did where did you get your source material from? Well, one of the books that um, I looked through, I actually bought this um, early last year, is a. Handbook on Acts and Paul's letters. That's not a handbook. That's a table book. To <laughs> <laughs> me, this is a handbook. Yeah, <laughs> by Ben's standards, yes. Yeah, I booked it up from um, Kurong. It's always good to 
see what some of um, other other writers have written. Mm-hmm. And of course, well, I didn't just use all the usual Bibles. <laughs> this one's my um, handy dandy um, Tyndall's New Testament. So mm. I, I quite like um, looking through some of the old Bibles because mm. sometimes I've got notes in the margin. So it's interesting to see what other writers from 500 years ago wrote on um, a piece of scripture that we were looking over mm-hmm. because they have such they have a very different worldview and therefore they have a very different ideas when they um, read the same scripture as us. Mm. And that, that should actually make us fairly wary of our own worldview, right? Like if their worldview was so different to ours and therefore they interpreted the text so differently, mm. you know, how much more careful do we have to be to try to avoid falling into the same thing? Mm. What's the... um? The letters on the side, Ben. So they're paragraphs. So instead of um, your usual, um, you know, First Philippians seven, all that sort of thing, it's First Philippians <laughs> paragraph A, B, <laughs> C. There's only one book of Philippians, Ben. Yeah, you know, oh, sorry, <laughs> Philippians one. Yeah, yeah Philippians we know what you one. mean. Yeah. So it's okay. a, it's a case yeah. of that's it's the referencing par- structure. The referencing structure is A, B, C, depending on the paragraph you're at. Okay. okay rather than cutting down paragraphs even further so it's a little bit easier to get to the text that you're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. I just hated math. So use letters instead? Like, yeah. is that a thing? <laughs> My literacy is better. Um, I both mostly just used the text as yeah. my source of reference this time. I did mm. do a little bit of reading in the book you used as well. But yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. No, we uh, In the, the library that we have here, uh, we've got a, a collection of books from N.T. Wright, and uh, this is a commentary of his on the prison letters of Paul. And, yeah, I, I found that to be pretty interesting when I was preparing that, you know, of course, plus the text. So. Mm. Did you look at anything outside of Scripture? Or just, no, no. Yeah. Nope, just read it. That's yeah. right. You don't need to, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was some some pretty great stuff just in the text, which is why I was going to do yeah. a bit more external research. But I was like, mm, I found plenty to say from yeah. from the verses because it's very practical. The Book of Philippians. Yeah. Mm. Which I think is one of the reasons why we chose this particular book as our first, mm. you know, book to go through. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, shall we um, just read a bit and, and start pulling it apart? Mm. Oh, I was just going to. Um, oh, you could go over view of actually. Yeah. Um, so. Context. Context. Uh, so the city of um, Philippi is locate, was located in Macedon. Today it's northern Greece. Uh, Philip II of Macedon, who those um, history buffs would know him as the father of Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. um, took the town, enlarged and named it after himself, mm-hmm. as famous people back then did. Yeah, humble fellow. Yeah. The city was a military outpost and its people were considered to be Roman citizens. Um just a, and in Acts 16 tells of a um, story of a visit to Philippi of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and um, that's the um, the story um, from being in prison, the earthquake, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a little connection there. That would have been the first time that Paul visited Philippi. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And Acts what? 16. Acts 16. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so that's fairly early in Paul's yep. ministry. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting um, little um, little city. It's um, like I said, they're considered Roman citizens, so that um, gives you a little bit of a context of um, mm. the culture of the people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's also very close to the town of um, um, uh, Thessalonica. So um, so we've got the um, the Bible verses um, from that town as well. So. They're actually not that far from each other if you look on a map. That was his next stop yeah. in the mm-hmm. tour, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he went to Thessalonica next, So, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes sense if you look on the map as you're following around the Aegean. Um, it's it's a, it's the biggest city in the um, region, so, of course, he would have gone there. On which the is way. Philippi or, or Thessalonica? Thessalonica. Okay. Um, and then from there, he would have gone south down to Athens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, some really good stuff in Acts sixteen. Eh, I was just looking there when you when you mentioned that. It's like, oh wow, that's a that's a fun chapter. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so much in there. This is one of the things that that I was struck by when I was thinking and reading up on the like the context around the book of Philippians. The audience is obviously the church that's in Philippi, but I started to think, you know, what do we know about those people? And obviously, we don't know everybody that was a Christian in Philippi, but we do know that uh, that Lydia was there. We do know that the jailer that was that they um, saved, if you like, by mm-hmm. by not running it, running away. 
uh, you know, he gave his life to to Christ there, and so he would have been a part of the church in Philippi. And so these people that Paul had pretty crazy experiences with, that's that's the picture in his head when he's writing this letter. That's who he's writing to. Mm. And is it fair to say that this church would have been um, a direct result of the ministry of Paul? Like, had anybody else been to I, Philippi with the not, gospel before Paul? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So he, um, mm. the events of the jail and everything probably is what really got the church there going. Mm. And, I mean, as we read the first part of the chapter, uh, chapter one, um, we'll see there's a great deal of fondness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul has fondness for particular ones of these churches, right? There's a mm-hmm. few of them. But Philippi seems to be right up there with, with his favorites. Mm. Yeah, well, can, can I just read that? Yeah. So I'll, I'll just read the first section. Uh, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with, bishops and, uh, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think, just it is right for me to think this of you, of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as. Inasmuch, sorry, let me try this again. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and the discern and discernment, that you may approve the things which are excellent, and you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. So uh, one of the things you were mentioning there is his his fondness for them. Mm. The thing that I found interesting the word for for fellowship in verse five, where it says for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, as, he, as in something he's thankful for. The word fellowship we think of fellowship as being you know the sense of fellowship that you have when you're with other believers. And whilst that is true, the word is the same word that's used for like business partnerships where you're actually in, in like contracted agreements with people to be working together for a cause. And I thought that like strengthens the the picture here. This isn't just, Hey, you're my friend, which I'm sure they were, but he sees them as being, you know, laborers that are Mm. engaged with him in service. Do you think to Paul there was any distinction between those two things? No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I know, I, I definitely see why you're making that point, but mm. like as we as Christians learn to follow Jesus, I think that has to be the natural progression of our journeys. Like mm. we have to get to the place where being in fellowship with it, with one another, it's like what John says in First John uh, as he introduces his, his first letter. He's like... Um, this was a bad idea trying to find that on the run. Um, <laughs> he's, he talks about how that um, to um, if we have fellowship with God, mm. uh, no, where is it? Uh, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie not, uh, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And he talks about a bit later in the chapter, he talks about ha- having fellowship with the father as well. Mm. Um, and so that he's in, in John's mind, in Paul's mind, having fellowship with one another. Uh, as Christians, we're having fellowship with Christ. And so having fellowship with, with one another and with Christ is just all intertwined mm. fellowship just means us all relating uh, in that way together mm. and then as we're following jesus we're, yeah. we're following jesus as disciple makers right mm. so like you said there's a partnership in ministry there yeah mm. i think that, i mean that, that was paul's life his mm. life revolved around ministry mm. so if he's saying you know we're having we're having partnership mm. or fellowship he means mm. like we're, we're doing mission together yeah yeah, yeah. I think we lose sight of that. I think that's that's a modern construct because we think of church, and even though we may in, you know, intellectually know we shouldn't, but I'm, I mean culturally, we think of church as this thing you do, this place you go. We don't think about it as in this context of you having fellowship with people that are on that level. Well, we also think of be. fellowship as something we do at church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the reason why we go to church. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, like uh, we're going to have fellowship over lunch. Like, yeah. Yeah, but we're going to do life together. Yeah. <laughs> or at least that's how it should be. Yeah. 
I also liked um, just before, I, and I've got another thought on that, but just before we get there, um, Paul introduces, uh, I think you were going to say something about verse 2, Ben, so maybe we can back up even further, but I think in verse 3, uh, it's just really great. I thank God for you uh, on every remembrance of you, always in every prayer, making my request for you with joy. Hmm. So again, he's he's just expressing this real, like just enthusiasm for the church. He's he's happy to be praying for them. He's thankful for them. And every time he thinks of them, he's just like making requests for them. Hmm. Hmm. So these people are really precious in the in the apostles mind and like that's really exciting from many perspectives in my uh in my mind like one is that obviously paul has a deep you know relationship with the church of philippi but also um just that that's what that's what we should aspire to as christians like mm. that's the kind of uh, relationships that we should be having right mm. the fellowship that we should be having with one another should be the kind where whenever i think of steve i'm just like oh i just love that guy i'm gonna pray for him mm. do you know what i mean yeah um yeah that kind of like that intimate fellowship where mm -hmm. it's just like yeah let's you know let we're in this together sort of mm. thing um and so my thought on on verse five that i was going to share luke which is um mm. even forced enforced even more by what you just said um was that um don't you think that that um fellowship in the gospel as he calls it mm. um gospel fellowship is so much more powerful meaningful deep than your standard fellowship you know mm -hmm. your standard you know conversations let's say mm. um and if so why do you think that is what makes gospel fellowship so much better and then it, i'm going to ask you a mission question after that i was going to say it would definitely be coming from the word gospel because that's what we're talking about additionally right gospel being the good news so uh -huh. therefore it, it kind of brings to mind that we're not just fellowshipping just to catch up with each other, but for a purpose as right. well. Hmm. It isn't just for ourselves, but for our communities and the people around us. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It isn't just for ourselves. Like when we get to cap chapter two, that's going to be a massive theme, right? Hmm. Paul to the church hmm. of Philippi has this this theme of like, you know, self becoming lower. Hmm. And, Emptying. Yeah, 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 and others becoming greater. Hmm. And I think that's the key, right? Yeah. The, the, the thing that makes gospel fellowship so much deeper is that there's this inherent self lessness as opposed to your, your your typical fellowship it really it's all about what can i gain from this mm. whereas um at, from a christian perspective it's more what can i give from this mm. so then my my question my mission question with regard to that is if if gospel fellowship is so much better and, and we enjoy the benefits of that so much when we look at somebody who's not experiencing that how should we feel and what should we do about it do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. You, you automatically should desire for them to get into that relationship, right? right? Into people should come to, to your mind. Like people come to my mind mm. um, when you think gospel fellowship. Oh, I wish this person that I value in yeah. my life had gospel fellowship in, yeah. in know, their experience. I, I immediately thought of a friend of mine who spent a lot of years out of the church. And I when when he came when he came back to God and, and consciously started to you know, change the course of his life, talking to him then was a completely different experience to what it was like talking to him before that. Like we were right. still friends. Like we were friends at the beginning when he was at, when he was in the church. And then when he was out of the church, we still talked sometimes, but like there was like this big wall was still up and there was never any antagonism between us. Like he never said, Oh, you shouldn't believe that. And I never told him, Oh, you should, you really need to hurry up and fix your life up. Like there was no, no reason to believe that that relationship would be built, would be broken down. But when he did reconnect himself with God consciously, it was like, Oh, it was just like this breath of fresh air. And all of a sudden the communication was better again. And like all, mm -hmm. the good, yeah, all the good things happened again. Sort of. Right. Yeah. So then when you think of your colleague, well, not you, cause you work, well, you, but when we think of our colleagues, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the people that we work with on a often daily basis who don't have gospel fellowship in their lives, that's what we should hope for. Right. Yeah. That experience of yes. them experiencing something better. Mm. And then I think in my mind, the next question that extends from there is like, how do we bring that to them? Right. Mm. And I think one way, we can do that is we can bring that selflessness mm. into the conversation you know our interactions with them can be about what can i give rather than what can i get mm -hmm. and i think that then tra transforms the the um the the conversation or the, the relationship slowly but surely because that rubs off on them right mm -hmm. um and then yeah i think naturally that can lead over time to a well, hang on why what happened here you know mm -hmm. what what is going on in this friendship mm -hmm. right and then that's when you can have that more explicit opportunity to mm -hmm. oh mm -hmm. that's because the gospel's at work in you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you didn't know what it was but that's what it is yeah mm -hmm. anyway did you want to back up and look at verses one and two ben i feel like maybe i 
pushed us in a little bit deep oh, there. When, when I was actually, um, going over the book, um, this one, it mentions that um, Paul's introduction of um, rather the servants of Jesus Christ rather than a, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Um, and the book brought up the, the idea that um, maybe there was troubles in the church of um, Philippi. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was an interesting perspective, but when I read it over, I I see the warnings to um, later on to false teachers and that, mm-hmm. but I did not see the correlation um, with um, problems with the leadership at mm-hmm. Philippi. Um, would you say that you came to the same sort of conclusion? I think Paul makes it clear that there's something going on, but he doesn't necessarily make it clear that it's going on in Philippi. Yeah. Like it could well be that toward, uh, I think I'm, I'm referring to where he talks about verses 15 um, to maybe 18, where he's talking about this idea of preaching Christ, um, you know, e- even from envy and strife. And then he talks about not doing it sincerely and so forth. Um, you could say, if he's talking to the Philippian leaders, you could say, oh, well, that's pretty obvious. But he doesn't make it clear that, like, he just says some. He doesn't say some here. Yeah, exactly. Normally he would, I feel. So I feel like he could be using that as an example from somewhere he's been previous. Yeah, I but, thought it might have been more of a warning of something that he's yeah. seen. Hmm. In that in that passage um, that you were just referencing there, uh, from verse uh, what is it, 16, where it talks about the, the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. Is that is that the, that the category of person you're talking about? Am I, am I, or yeah. Did I miss something? Yeah. yeah. Um, the NT right suggests that that is actually pagans that were in the city who wanted to make life in prison as hard as possible for Paul. And so they were like pretending to... Uh, like uh, highlight the gospel, so to speak, but they were trying to do it to create an uproar because then Paul would be negatively affected in in prison. And so he's saying, hey, that's cool with me. Like, even if you're just pretending to follow Christ and you're getting the message out further, that's great. Message is still getting preached Mm -hmm. either way. So Yeah, I can definitely see that sort of thing happening because he definitely would have been in a Roman prison. Yeah. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is um, the time of Nero, isn't it? Is it Nero or is it just before Nero? It's it's around about that time. Around about that time. And I know early on in Nero's reign, one of the things he um, did was in order to, because he wasn't that popular, so in order to unify people, he unified the pagans against the Christians. Hmm. And there was a, there's every chance that um, these being Romans would have tried to emulate that sort of idea where, hmm. you know, making um, Paul's life awful would be something the emperor would do. Yeah, and also you've got to keep in mind that Philippi was one of the, the centres of emperor worship. And so, um, like, nearby towns weren't as bad, but Philippi itself was very well known for that. And so, preaching Christ in Philippi would have been a fairly dangerous enterprise. So. Yeah, because a lot of the Ro- Romans expected you to come along and do the whole worship, so you had to burn incense upon an altar before their deity... Um Deities? Is that the word you're looking for? Um, deities. The, um, basically, their emperors had become deities, and they wanted yeah. to deified wa- leaders and, right, and yeah. worship them. Basically, so yeah. it's it's a it was would have been very opposed to Christian thinking. Hmm. Um, just with regard to verse one as well, Ben, I thought it was really interesting um, when I scanned uh, Acts before after you referenced it. Mm. Um, like he's only just started working with Timothy at this point. Like Timothy mm. is like a brand new apprentice mm. when they go to Philippi. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, maybe not at the time of the writing of the letter, but when they mm. when they first when they went, went to Philippi. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he greets the Philippian church, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So Timothy's work in um, Philippi must have also been quite significant. And yeah. like we'll learn about that a little bit more when we get to chapter two as well. But yeah, like I think that's fascinating that Timothy um, is is mentioned here as being someone of substance to the mm. church in Philippi. Oh, it makes sense. With um, he becomes a church leader later on in life, mm-hmm. so um, we can see here the beginnings of that. Mm. Just to go to verse six, so we, we sort of hit no, five and can't. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> hit five, and then we kind of just went ping, 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 ping all, all around the chapter. Yeah, there. that's because you started in five. What was with that? You've got to start at one, mate. <laughs> I got excited about five, all right? Um, in verse six, we, I'm going to verse six. That's right? fine. Yeah. You're the boss. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to point out that the themes in verse six, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
that is... Uh, this is still his prayer, by the way. Yeah, this is still his prayer. But this is something that we sort of see him revisit, right? The th- these themes, these ideas are con- consistent throughout the book. But I think this is one of the really key themes that, that Paul is trying to get across here, that that Jesus is the one that is accomplishing a good work in you and we can have confidence in that. Or, you know, you could say we could, we have faith in Jesus, but this is what he means, I think, in a practical sense, that he's in the process of, of making us into his his sons and daughters and it's the process that he is in charge of, right? He is in the process of doing that and we can have faith and confidence in that. Yeah. The grammar is interesting, isn't it? Complete until the day. Yes. Like, you don't, like normally you complete something and then that's it, like, you don't go on completing something once it's finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ongoing completion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that rings true, doesn't it? Yeah. I think Wright said in his um, commentary on Philippians that he sees that as a cornerstone verse for the rest of the book. Yes. Um, yeah. The, this com- this confidence that Paul is speaking of to the church in Philippi, that he's, it then goes on to inform the instruction and the exhortation that he gives them. Mm-hmm. Do you um, think he's... Do you think he's making reference to, perhaps secondarily, to uh, like the righteousness by faith experience that we, we can have faith in, in Christ's work in us? Um, well, I, before I answer your, your question, can we just read it with verse 5? Because I, yeah. I feel like we, we know verse 6, but we don't know it in its context. Sure. So he's he's just gone on about how he's so thankful for the church and he loves praying for them. Mm. And he says, I pray for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I think that's a really important point yeah. there. First day until now, being confident of this thing, this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you from the first day yeah. uh, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Mm. So he's he's sa- saying to the church in Philippi, he has great confidence in God to, to bring the work that he started in the church in Philippi mm. to um, a, a completion or to, you know, to yeah. finishing, perfecting, mm. uh, maturing the work that he's doing in their lives mm. over time. Um, and yeah, so then answering your question, yeah, of course, I think there's this righteousness by faith themes mm. coming through the verse here. But I actually think Paul is like, I think the, the, the context really indicates that what Paul is actually saying is that he is confident. Mm that they are going to reach maturation yeah. because of God's work in them, mm. yeah. which I think is instructive to us about people that we might choose to mentor mm. um, because we can have that level of confidence also. Mm. Um, even even when somebody might not seem to be getting it, you know, they might not be seem to be, seem to be progressing as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's, that's true of us as well, right? Yeah. You know, we can have confidence that God's going to finish the work in us too. Mm-hmm. But really what Paul is saying, he has confidence that God is going to finish the work in them. This is a pastoral confidence. Right. Yeah. 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 And and I mean I hope I hope that everybody listening is is seeking to be a mentor to somebody, right? Mm. I think everybody should have a mentor and be a mentor. Mm. Um and so um if you're seeking to be a mentor for somebody, this is a promise for you, right? Yeah. That you can have the same confidence that mm. Paul had mm. because God is not going to stop working in somebody's life, you know. Do you find that easy or like like having confidence? As in having having confidence in the process like uh, in what God's going to do in someone else? Like in that pastoral way, like do you struggle with that, or is that easy for you? Is this an open question, or is this to me directly? Oh well, <laughs> you're the one that that said it, and so you've thought uh, about it. So I directed it to you first, but it is an open question. I mean, I feel like I'm. I find it easier now than I ever have before. Yeah. Um, that might be due to age and experience. That might be due to my confidence in God growing potentially. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but I mean, I think so. Yeah. yeah. No, it just, seems like a wrong answer, but I, I honestly think I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're better at it than, than I am, that's for sure. But I, I, when I, especially when I was you know, earlier in my experience, there were times, especially when people would move away or something like that, that you, I could see they were so close to making a decision or maybe right. they had made a decision and they were not established in the faith yet. And, and I, when they would move away, I just feel like all, all of that... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was going to disappear, you know, like so- somehow that was just going to fall away. And so, uh, but I have had other experiences that have started, I guess, my process of building that trust. You know, there was a, uh, some people that I was Bible studying with um, a few years ago and they moved away before they had uh, been baptized. And I had that experience of, oh no, like now all of that work is sort of just going to evaporate. Mm. And uh, then 
like a year later, I got a message from them thanking me for like m- my time in, in studying with them and that they had got baptized at the church that they moved to. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But I didn't do that, right? That was yeah. great for my faith that God is looking after these people. It's not me that's being their guard dog, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I always find great confidence um, in the passage, Luke, with regard to what you were just describing there. Mm. Um, where Paul talks about how that in the work of God, um, it's not necessarily your job to bring somebody mm. through the full cycle of harvest. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, he talks about one planting, one watering, and another harvesting. Mm. And there might be another stage in there that I've missed, but um, I yeah, that's in First Corinthians three. If anyone's interested in looking that up, but um, yeah, I think that's that's something I find great encouragement in because yeah, yeah, of course, there's opportunity to be discouraged. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think you know over time you just you get to see God working and you and you realize yeah well you know I would have loved to have been involved in the harvest there of course but you know this was a time for me to plant or for me to water. Yeah. Um. Someone else will come along and and do the you know do the finishing touches yeah. and mm-hmm. harvest that. Um. I think I think uh, oh, that's all right. I'll let that one slide through. <laughs> I was going to go <laughs> through to the key to, to practical, but probably to more depth than we need to go. So, sure. um, but yeah, also um, you know, just taking back to where you were going because I think mm. it's also a great promise for our lives personally, yep. right? Mm. That we can be confident, you know, because I think sometimes on the Christian journey, like you know, we're headed on the, on the upward path, right, on our way up to heaven. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you take you know a step forward and then you take three back, mm. and it's very easy to get discouraged at that point. Yeah. Um, but this promise is for you in that moment, right? Mm. That that God hasn't finished working with you, mm. right? Just because you've stuffed up, you know, and you've made a mistake and you've turned away or whatever, um, God's God doesn't then give up on you. Um, he's going to continue, continue pushing you forward, continue, yeah. you know, blessing you. So anyway, I just think that's really cool. Mm. Yeah, that's why I love a lot of the stories with the Old Testament. They're good examples yeah. of exact, exact yeah. thing. Because there were some idiots flawed. there, eh? Yeah, they they are. <laughs> too, that's what I mean. That's why it's so good news. Yeah. <laughs> it gives gives us confidence because we look at them and they they they're such great people, but they're very flawed, just uh-huh. like us. Yeah. Uh-huh. So God can do great things yeah. with us, even mm-hmm. with our flaws. Yeah. yeah. Just read Hebrews eleven, and you're like, <laughs> why is he here? Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, God, you see things a little different than we do. Mm. Yeah. Thank yeah, thank God for that too. Um, can I can I take us forward? Yeah, yeah. Are we happy to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, just as just as it is right for me to think uh, this of you all, he says in verse seven after talking about his great confidence in in God's work in them, uh, because I have you in my heart. <laughs> you know, isn't that like the coolest thing? Like the reason I'm so confident is because you're in my heart, and I know that if I'm asking God, He's working. Yeah. Anyway. Drop that one there. Inasmuch as as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. I love that at mm. the end of verse 7. Because yeah. what Paul is acknowledging is whether we are in chains or whether we are um, in the confirmation, uh, defense and confirmation of the gospel. So we're doing ministry. Mm. Uh, no matter what stage of life we're in, he says we're partakers uh, together of the grace of God. Um, I think that's a really great reminder for us when we're going through a hardship. Um God's grace is present even in that difficulty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to look for it, yeah, you know, and sometimes you have to look hard for it. Um, but but God is gracious to us even in our greatest struggles. And I think it's in the book of Micah. Um, there's this you know prophetic vision of the people you know being taken uh, captive. I think, um, and so you know they're they're marching on their way into exile, and he he pictures in this vision Jesus at the front of the company, mm-hmm. marching with them into exile uh, which is a great you know what a picture yeah that's a great way to see your suffering Mm. you know whenever you're going through something the grace of god is present with you if in no other way in the fact that god is with you in the struggle Mm. anyway that's cool very cool anyone else on verse seven or do we keep going no i'm keen to get to verses like eight through ten so okay go (laughs) tell us what you want to say um Sure. So verse eight, for, uh, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all, with all the affection of Jesus Christ. So let's just stop right there for a second. <laughs> so I greatly long for you with all the affection yeah. of Jesus Christ. How much affection does Jesus Christ have? For I know, you? right? Right. Like that's, that is, you know, him on the cross, right? That, that is Jesus having yeah. complete and utter love for you. And so he's saying, I'm loving you with like that, that, that yeah. love. That is the degree to which I love you. 
probably poetic license, but of course, yeah. such a great <laughs> but intent aspiration, right? Yeah, for us to have. aspirational. That's a good way of saying. Um, verse nine. Yes, verse and nine. And this. Yes, <laughs> and, and this. I, I looked down and I was reading the wrong column. Uh, the wrong Paul. The wrong column. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get column out of Paul? Paul out of column. <laughs> and this I pray. <laughs> and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So... That that last part, right? That's the objective. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That's the result, right? So the the way or the the um, you know me- method to get there is what's in what we just read previously. So you're praying that this love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all and all discernment. Uh, the NT right makes the point that this this passage here, where it's including both. Uh, knowledge and discernment and love and and it's combining them in, mm. into this same uh, block of experience and emotion and all the rest. Typically, we think of love as being primarily an emotional thing, whereas for Paul, it wasn't primarily an emotional thing. It well, yes, there was emotion involved, but it was all encompassing. And I, I think that comes into what we just read before about loving, like the same or aspiring to love the same way Christ does, because He doesn't just love us in an emotional "oh, I love you" fashion. He loves us, but you know, in that way, but also in a very, uh, you know, with all mind and strength and all of the other aspects of His being as well. And so then He's saying that's the way Christ loves you. So this is the way I want. I pray that you then love and you have that experience. And the result that you come out the other end of that with is that you are then able to approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense in the day of Christ. So essentially what he's saying is you get moral discernment. So you can tell right from wrong as a result of this love that Christ has that I'm hoping is going to, praying is going to be in you. And this is what it's going to look like. Can I add to that? Please. Um, I just wrote down, um, love for God is founded on knowledge, the knowledge of his character and produces discernment mm-hmm. based on the principles we can draw from the kind of person that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually... Um, I don't know whether it's different or the same, but I, I see it maybe slightly differently than that in sure. that I would say what Paul is praying for is that they would love, uh, but that love would abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. And so I think what he's mm-hmm. saying there is that that love is coming from those things. Gotcha. Um, but then, as you're saying, producing yep. those other things, yeah. Um, uh, which, yeah, to me indicates the importance of what you were just saying about the, the kind and quality of love that he is he is praying for for, for this congregation. Mm. Um, this love is is founded on understanding, mm. um, which you know probably ain't a bad um, yeah. <laughs> bit of advice just in general with regard yeah. to love. Mm. Um, but um, certainly in the context of of God, it, like that's the only way we truly can love Him, right? Is mm. if we know Him. Yeah. And the Bible would go on to say like that if we know Him, then we will mm. love Him, right? Yeah. Um, look at First John if you're not sure what I'm talking about there. Yeah. Um, but but knowledge and then discernment. Um, I think that discernment has to be coming from that knowledge, you know, which is kind of that that wisdom that Solomon prayed for, mm. you know, will ask for when when he was given the opportunity to ask for something, mm. you know, that that discernment to to be able to tell right from wrong, right. But that again, that comes from this this knowledge or this understanding of who God is. Mm. I think personally, I think mm. that's the foundation, right. Mm. And so. When we have like these, as you're as you're saying, these three things working together, or um, as I see it, the the love working together on this platform of understanding and discernment, mm. um, then we are able, as it says, to approve the things that are excellent, uh, and and that we would be sincere and without mm. offense. Like I just think that's such a powerful, like if if you want to 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 tackle sin, what Paul is saying, in my opinion, in these verses is rather than wrestling with the sin itself and trying to figure out how am I going to beat this thing, mm. Paul says, understand and know God. Mm. As you understand and know God, your love for him will grow and then you will be able to approve the things that are excellent. Mm. You will be sincere and without offense. And I love the verse 11 too, that you will be filled with the fruits of righteousness, mm. which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Mm. Um, which you wanted to talk about righteousness by faith before. I mean, there it is, right? There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and more so that the the Greek word for righteousness there is is referencing good behavior, like or good actions produced in us 
as a result of God's faithfulness and our status as his children. Mm. I know that's a lot to pack into one word, but that's <laughs> that, that's that's what, what it's getting at, that, that particular word. So I, I just think that's so that is such a complete picture of yep. that. Yep. So, yeah. And um I I like that it says that we are would be filled with the fruit of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, which the implication there is that the the only way that we're producing this fruit is by that that abiding that Jesus spoke of mm. in John chapter fifteen, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That this this sense of the indwelling Christ, and when when Christ is dwelling in us, mm-hmm. we're going to produce it. But how do we get Christ dwelling in us? Well, again, it comes back to understanding, knowing God, and then we yep. receive Christ in us. You know, mm-hmm. and I I mean, you know, we could we could talk about Colossians where Paul's like, you know, how, how are you going to go and you know go on in your journey in the Christian life? Well, in the same way that you receive Christ Jesus, so yeah. walk in Him, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of crossover between these letters, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really powerful section. Mm. And what a prayer, hey! What mm. a prayer for the people mm. that they that they their love would abound, that they would be not they would have knowledge, discernment, they would be able to prove the things that are excellent, being sincere and without offense. Like, I mean, he's p- praying for this congregation to be perfect. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that rabbit hole, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and being filled with the fruit of of. Yeah. Righteousness. I'm going to summarize you, what you said in one word. <laughs> That's what they already did. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a what an incredible prayer. Yeah. You know, like I I just think. That's that's mm. a great prayer for us to be praying for each other for our congregations and on a practical level, I, I that is such a good prayer. But I wouldn't necessarily automatically pray such a thing because it seems like too high too high a goal, right? Like. Uh, and I know that I know it's not, but you know what I mean. Like you, sometimes you don't pray for things because you just feel like it's it's out of the realms of possibility. Like how often do you sit around and yeah, Ben? How often do you sit down and pray that that your mate Luke is going to be perfect? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to. That's it. We, we stopped praying that years ago because we just know it's true. <laughs> I was waiting for you to translate it. <laughs> But my point is, we don't do that, right? Like it's it's an odd yeah. thing to us. But to him, it made total sense yeah. because that's that's the goal. Like, yeah. and of course, it's the goal. But we don't think about it like yeah. that. So, to me, I, I found this passage really encouraging for me that I should be thinking bigger with my prayers for the people that I care about. And then insert verse six into that conversation that you were just having. And he's he's not yes. just praying that prayer in, in hope. He's praying that prayer in confidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine praying confidently that Luke would be perfect. <laughs> Why did I use that as an example? <laughs> and that sounded really bad, I just realized. <laughs> like, I can have absolutely no confidence in that prayer. <laughs> Steve O wants to tell us about verses 12 to 14. I can see it in his notes. I can't believe you can read my writing. <laughs> I think it should be doctor, mate. I work with engineers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll um I'll read them since we haven't. I yeah. don't think we've read them yet. No, yeah. Do you want to read all the way to like eighteen? Sure. It's like a block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Block it out. Uh, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Yeah, in in uh, in in my notes, I said that um, particularly twelve through fourteen, um, even in Paul's chains, um, he's using that situation to spread the gospel. Like he's not letting it limit him. Mm. So yeah. that was something that I got out of this this section in particular. That um, no matter where we are, mm. we have that ability if we're looking for it. Mm. I love the positivity that he shares in verse 12 as well. Like, I want you to know, brethren, that everything's turning out for the good, mm. you know, for the furtherance of the gospel. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't think that initially you you hear about Paul, he, he's off the prison. It's a case of, oh, no, he, he's not only is he in danger, but the, the work is being put back because mm-hmm. he's in prison. Mm. But here he's talking about, no, no, no. God's actually turned the situation around and he's, he's making it... Um, into a good situation Hmm. and um um, from a historian's point of view we know for a fact that had 
Paul not spent all that time in prison, he may not have written all these letters and been a much greater benefit than just that generation. Mm -hmm. Paul's teachings have now been passed down to us because he had the time to sit down and write all these letters. Right, it's true. It's... In fact, it's a more furtherance of the gospel than even he realized when he wrote this um this verse. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, and I love like he's like you know it's it's influenced the palace guard and all the rest, whatever that means. Mm. Um, that my chains in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak. So he's like because of this situation, like not only like like you were just saying, has it given him this opportunity to, to, to write something down that's lasted forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's given others boldness to speak, you mm-hmm. know, seeing Paul's confidence in his chains. Yeah. Like, yeah. And just what you were highlighting, witness. What, what you were highlighting then about it all coming together for good. Uh, this, this, some of the reading that I was doing was just pointing out that this is very common Jewish thinking. Like this is the way that Jews made sense of, of bad circumstances a lot. And the reason that they do it this mm. way is because they often were, would use the story of Joseph as, as the exam- mm. the go-to example. Like we would often use Job. It's like, oh, well, you know, Job found like meaning in, in, in his suffering and all. Well, for them, the story of Joseph was like that. Well, look. His brothers meant this for evil, but it turned out for good in the end. And that's the that's the picture that is portrayed. And, and this is the kind of thing that he's sharing here. Like, yes, I know it's bad that I was put in prison, but it actually worked out for good for these reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about how he reads through. Like, um, mm. I was just giving my notes to the bottom of my Bible. And it suggests that the Praetorian Guard were like mm. the ones that he was influencing, which are like yeah. the elite of the elite. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, some cop in the middle of nowhere, like it was yeah. like, yeah, the highest yeah. level in there, even in their hierarchy, if, yeah. like, unless you're in the palace, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. No, but imagine, you know, being able like to today to say, well, I'm in prison, but you know, I've, I've been in- influencing the yeah. SAS or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you never yeah. would have been able to, yeah. not to the same extent anyway, reach yeah. that, mm. like that audience. Mm. 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 Uh, when I was reading these verses, the song "Blessings" came to mind, you know. And in the song, it asks, you know, what if what if your blessings come through whatever the experience is that you're going through? What if your healing comes through that experience? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to you know fill in the blank for your life? Yeah. What if the trials of this life are God's mercies in disguise? And I think you know that's really what Paul's echoing here, and he's saying that what that can produce in some cases is it can actually be for the furtherance of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know like you might think of some of the martyrs throughout the reformation you know mm. their blood was seed you know they used to say mm. um and it really was you know this story of their faithfulness just spurred on villages and cities and yeah. you know reformers to go and change the world elsewhere yeah. um yeah so really powerful there um and then like he he then talks about the kinds of preaching that can take place in in verses 15 to 18 and we've sort of already referenced that a little bit but i think it's really important that we we stop and you know consider what is he saying here he's saying that motive matters Mm. when you're sharing the gospel um so he's he's obviously really passionate about that really passionate about he's also saying motive doesn't matter yeah that's that's, that's literally what i had (laughs) (laughs) explain yourself (laughs) that's what he says that's what he says (laughs) so when it talks about here, uh, okay, verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in uh, in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached, and, uh, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Mm-hmm. So he's saying... Yet, yes, it does matter from the person's perspective, right? Like there, you can't, you know, preach the gospel to get points. You you have to have it with a, a you know, pure motives yourself. But from Paul's perspective, he's saying, I don't care. I am stoked that they're preaching it, whether they are preaching it for good reasons or bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter from Paul's perspective, but it does matter from their perspective salvifically. <laughs> I guess. It Thank comes, you for that. I guess it ultimately comes down to how they're portraying. I'm arguing your point. What am I doing? <laughs> I think it comes down to how you portray Christ. Whether you're miss, um, you know, making him look um, not like his character or getting his character correct. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's actually important when it comes to the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, it, it's interesting that he um, points that out because you would think that it would matter a lot more because if if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, does that mean that that person is 100% betraying the Christian walk real well? That being said, do we do it when yeah. we when we have the purest of motives? Yeah, well, that's what I was just about to say. But where do you stop splitting hairs? Because, you know, I'm sure we can all relate to getting up to preach and recognizing that I'm not a perfect person and I don't ha- I'm about to preach this message and I don't have this all together. And so, you know, if you want to split hairs far enough, you could say, oh, well, that, that's that's the same thing. And so at some point we have to acknowledge that, you know, it's okay. That Jesus, when I say it's okay, what I mean is that Jesus is able to utilize broken vessels to produce to share the message. I think I think that's not necessarily the best in interpretation of the word preach um, in in the New Testament context. Mm. I, I understand your illustration is still perfectly relevant, but yes. I just wanted to make that clear. I think when they think preach, they think proclaim in any form. It doesn't necessarily yes. mean from a mm. pulpit. So yeah. I just want to clear that up. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I also think maybe we're missing the point. I think maybe what he was actually getting at is, um, you know, at, at whatever stage in your journey you're at, present Christ. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think he's actually saying that. You know, uh, preaching Christ in envy and strife is as good as preaching Christ. You know, from a selfless perspective. So. Yeah, I think maybe mm. more the point is um, don't wait to be perfect to mm. share Jesus. Because yeah. you won't be preaching in this lifetime. Right. No, I actually I actually, I agree theologically, but I, I don't think that's what he's saying. Yeah. I, I think that he the point that he's making is more the point that Ben was making before in, in that, um, yes, it is true that there are people preaching the wrong thing, but that's... That's not my my chief concern because ultimately the message is being preached. I think that's that's his point. I don't think he's making any real commentary on the spiritual condition of those people. I think he's making the assumption that everyone knows that preaching intentionally with bad motives that you're out of harmony with God. And I don't, but I don't think that's in question. But I don't think I don't think I'm saying anything you disagree with. Where am I? Yeah, but that's okay. Oh, that's good. We don't have to agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always stoked when I find something that we disagree about. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's go on. Um, unless someone has something else to say around these verses where we're at. because For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that all with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ, shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet uh, what I shall choose, I won't not. Um, for I am in the strait between two, um, having desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith. Is that where your section ends? Oh, it, it just keeps going and going. I just figured. Oh, for me, I've got verse 26 is the end of like that section. I was just curious if it was the same. Okay. Um, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Yeah, that makes more sense to conclude it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a tension that he's sharing here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the tension of of uh, living through suffering and and having greater opportunity to share the gospel mm-hmm. versus you know just the suffering coming to an end and getting to to you know be with Jesus sooner. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it's really interesting the mo- motivation that he he um projects in this passage right mm, so because yeah. he's like you know w- one of them is obviously far better for me mm. um mm. but for your sake um i'm happy to go on mm. um yeah which is i think is instructive for us in in um you know less uh vital situations right <laughs> where we, we <laughs> we're not always not, in his shoes right yeah we might not be you know the tension might not be between life and death it might be between sacrificing something that we don't want to give up yeah. you know whether it might be going through a bit of financial hardship for a time in order to benefit somebody else or mm-hmm. you know whatever it happens to be the sacrifice that god's calling you to make mm-hmm. um yeah and and paul's attitude would be i'm willing to go through that for the sake of of helping out my 
mm. you know, fellow pilgrims. Yeah. Well, this being at the um, near the end of time, uh, another interesting thing that's kind of resonates with this is the idea that instead of praying for the soon coming of Christ, we should be praying for more time so that more souls might be saved. Mm-hmm. What are your um, thoughts on that prayer? Because often we're encouraged to actually pray for mm-hmm. Christ to come sooner mm-hmm. rather than for to put it back so that we have more time. Without thinking, it would never come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Per- I don't know. I don't know if this is a popular or an unpopular opinion, but... As far as that goes, I think that there is a peak of any harvest, right? Like, you know, where any uh, any part of the crop that can be collected will be collected, right? There, mm. There's a point where anything that's going to ripen is going to be ripe. And I think that's... I think that's the place that we're that Christ is looking for. Like that's that's going to be where the kingdom happens. I don't think there's going to be people like when we get to whatever that point of time is. I don't think oh, if we had waited five more minutes, you know, there would have been another person saved. I, I don't think we're going to get to that point because then I really do think that you know, if there was just one person in the city, right? Think Sodom and Gomorrah. Like you know, if there were just ten, you know, good good men, then I'm not going to destroy the city. I I think it's going to be the the same. I think God is going to draw it out until anybody who is going to make that decision is going to make that decision. And I think that the uh, the circumstances around that, you know, what, what we believe in our eschatology uh, about what happens at the end of time, I think that will accelerate that, right? So there's that polarization of the people who have made the decisions have made the decisions. But as far as how long before <laughs> that time happens, which is I think what you're getting at, Ben, yeah, I, I'm of the mind that we should be planning for more like so we can do the maximum good with our lives here on the earth mm. yeah. can you just summarize what was your answer to the question yes because <laughs> <laughs> that was really unclear to me <laughs> i forgot what the question was <laughs> the question was whether we should be praying for oh, more yeah, time or not because it sounded like you were saying we should be ambivalent about time we should just be like you know praying for opportunities while we're still here yeah i think there is uh, oh yeah depends how you cut it right because I, i think you should be we should be ambivalent about time to the extent that we are we are not making the same mistake that you know the people did during the second advent awakening right we're not saying oh jesus is coming soon and so we're we're cutting ties early so to speak but at the same time, we need to be recognizing that he is coming soon. And so there is a degree that we are waiting for that to happen and we can't wait for that to happen. But I don't think, like, as an, let me let me put this into uh, more reasonable terms, something that we would hear on a more regular basis. How many times have you heard people say, oh, you know, look at this bad stuff that's happening in the world. Oh, like, I hope it speeds up because, you know, I just, I want to go home. Like, I, I want mm-hmm. Jesus to come back. Right. I think that thinking is flawed. Selfishly, I think, yeah, that makes sense. Because there have been times where I've looked at times where things haven't been going great in my life and thinking, man, just wish Jesus had come back and just this would be this would be done. But I think just like Paul's conclusion, it's better for it to go on for now at least, because there's still opportunity, right? There's still hearts that haven't heard the message yet. There's still good that we can do as individuals. So yes, I think that that is Paul's model, and I think we should take it until we are at the end yeah does that answer the question yeah yeah that's fine um i want to point out it is possible to pray that prayer without being selfish Mm. you know like because i think i think it's Mm -hmm. um a positive thing to be desiring a resolution to the sin problem i think that's definitely definitely god's where god's heart is at yeah um but yeah the motivation you just spoke of is like it's it's purely about me and wanting Mm. to be yeah tap out yeah Mm. yeah um, so I think I think our perspective should be one of um, yeah wanting resolution but wanting to work while we still have time to work, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking <of> that. <laughs> Can I read the last part, please? Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. Uh, with one mind, striving together uh, for the faith of the gospel. This microphone's in the way. Um, And (laughs) not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is is in me. Um, 
I really, really appreciate the wording of verse 27. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Mm. Mm. Um, so he's just spoken of this tension between wanting to be present with them and wanting to be taken, you know, um, mm. to be with the Lord sooner. Um, and he has concluded, you know, in that tension that from his perspective, it's in their best interest, in the world's best interest that he stays. And so he's, he's content to stay, mm. even though, you know, to, to die to him is gain. And then he says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel in, uh, of Christ. Um, and I think like this is kind of like s- somewhat of a conclusion to what he's been saying, what he's been praying for the church, you know, that they would have have this, you know, um, this love that's that's founded on on understanding, and that that would bring out of them the fruit of, of righteousness, and um, and that then they're preaching the gospel, and then there's this sort of this uh, experience of, of just desiring others above self, mm-hmm. um, and then he sort of concludes by saying, you know, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does that bring to mind for you guys? What does it mean to have conduct worthy of the gospel? Word that comes to mind for me is reputation. You know, do you have the reputation of being a good person? And and it's not to say that we're earning points by doing that, but what I'm meaning is if we if we represent the gospel well to people, yeah. that is going to make a dramatic difference in how the people receive the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they want to know that it's a, this good thing, and if we make the gospel out to be this dark, evil thing through hypocrisy, then people will be put off by it, and our lives won't um, be a magnet to bring people towards God. That'll repel people. Right. Well, spoiler alert: he answers that question in chapter two. Mm. What does it mean to have a life um, worthy of the gospel of Christ? So. Looking forward to yeah, good. that'll be next episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That was that was a really nice built-in teaser right there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, look at that smug look on his face. It's I, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pro. <laughs> um, uh, I also like how he he puts a little nugget in there though to answer the question already stand Mm. fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel Mm. so part of what it means to have conduct worthy of the gospel of christ is unity Mm. yeah and also in in addition to that the the very next verse and not in any way terrified by your adversaries which is to them a proof of perdition but to you of salvation and that from god basically don't don't let your oppressors intimidate you and I think if people are, you know, some people find appealing to have the Christian doormat idea, you know, just that we should be submissive and not worry about it. Whereas Paul's saying, no, if, if someone's intimidating you uh, and you know you're, you're, you know, you're in Christ and this is, stand up, you know, be, be counted. Don't, don't um, become the Christian doormat. And I, I think that's obviously some people could misinterpret that but i think paul's point here is that we shouldn't be ashamed of who we are in christ we shouldn't be ashamed of the message in fact we should be holding that up as who we are but in order for that to make sense it that's has part to- of our proclamation he's saying too isn't he? yes yeah because if we're not he says it's proof of perdition yes yeah for sure and but what we just read before in verse 27 that we should be um Letting our conduct be worthy of the gospel. That is the... What's the word I'm looking for? Verse 27 is what qualifies us to do verse 28. So if our conduct is good, then we can stand up for the gospel, so to speak. We can you know, not let others in, intimidate us about it because we have that good reputation. We're beyond reproach in the, in the public setting. Whereas mm-hmm. um, if we were living a life that people don't find any value in, then if we stand up for the gospel, that's going to seem uh, like, well, you know, why should I listen to them anyway? You know, they they cheat on their taxes or, you know, mm. w- w- whatever it may be. That was a one for you there. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, the, you know, they cheat on their taxes or, like, or whatever it is. But if if, if we're seen to not be honest, upstanding people mm. and then we try to stand up for the gospel, then that will reflect badly on what we're, what we're teaching. So. so, unless you guys have got anything else, I want to throw one last challenge. Go for it. Um, verses 29 and 30 for you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which is sorry me and now here is in me Mm. I think um, I want to just put the question out there to everybody listening um, and to us here at the table Uh, what's the what's the sacrifice that the suffering that Paul that God is calling us to make um, on behalf of Christ Um, yeah what is it that that we need to uh, give up or, or what is it that we need to lay aside to use the language of chapter two um 
in order that we can be uh, living lives or having conduct that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. Mm. Yeah. So, not asking you to answer that question live, but um, something <laughs> for us to think about, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good spot for us to leave this one. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. And uh, if you've enjoyed this uh, format of where we're just going deep into into the text, please let us know. We'd love to get uh, more feedback from you guys. And we look forward to catching you for the next chapter as we go into chapter two, the next episode. See you guys. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately, what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.